From across the Midwest, this is Opinions Anonymous, your new favorite podcast. Wait, we've got to get our own intro, right? What is this? It's the sports report? Sports report? (laughs) Sports are good. Sports, sports, sports. Can you say the sports report? The sports report. The sports report. The sports This is the sports report. Sports. Hello and welcome to Opinions Anonymous. Welcome to a very special spin-off of Opinions Anonymous called the Sports Report. I'm here with the expert in everything sports, Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Luke? Good, thanks. And I, of course, am Luke. And during the sports report, we will tackle everything you need to know about today's top sports stories. So let's jump right in. And just a few days ago was the NBA draft. There's a great blog on our website, opinionsanonymous.com, and you can read about it. But Joe, I'd like to know who you think the winners and losers of the draft were. The winners, I mean, I think I have to go with the Pelicans. I, and you got the Zion, the uh, everything short of the Lord and Savior, as everybody says. I think the loser might be Zion, though, too, because there's there's only one way to go from these expectations. Like, if he ends up being the best player in the NBA that they that the NBA's seen in a generation, then he's all he's done is met expectations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is quite ridiculous. But um, I really don't think he's going to be a quote unquote bust. But I think there's a great potential that he doesn't meet expectations. Where I also think the Pelicans did great is everything they got out of the trade they made earlier this year because. Um, with Anthony Davis, not only did they get a handful of picks for him, but on draft day, they traded to multiply those picks even more. So they're going to have a really young core. And if that GM knows what he's doing, you should be able to build a pretty solid team with everything he got out of arguably. Uh, he's easily a top five player in the NBA, but um, he's in the discussion for the best, I guess. So you gave up a lot, but he definitely got a lot back. Yeah. And we'll get to that here shortly. Uh, I guess the Pelicans really didn't have another option, though, right? They they either take Zion because they have to, and if they don't, and he turns out to, even if he wins one championship from his initial team and they don't take him, they're probably talked about as the dumbest sports team ever. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the... Uh... You don't get fired for by, by an IBM. Like it's it's yeah. the safe thing to do. There's never going to be anybody criticize you for taking Zion, even if he is doesn't live up to expectations. I mean, it's it was a very easy pick for them. I'm very impressed with how when they were only going to have Anthony Davis for one more year anyway, and to get everything they got out of him was pretty impressive. And I know, like Paul George, the Paul George situation probably changed that up a little bit because uh, he was supposed to go to L.A., but the Thunder signed him or traded for him to have him for one year, and were able to woo him into staying and signing a long-term deal. So I think that's kind of changed the the environment a little bit with free agents. So 
I guess I get it, but I'm I'm still impressed with what they got back out of him. They got a haul. So any big losers jump out to you from the draft? No. I mean, I'm going to throw my bias in there, and I'm the hometown team, the Pacers, I don't understand why they picked who they did. I'm a little less bitter about it now that I've – I guess I've kind of let it sink in and do a little research that I can't even say his name, Goga Batadze. Sounds, it's sounds right. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I get taking the best player available. What I heard initially was they didn't really do much research on him because they didn't think he'd be available at 18. So they, they didn't – they thought he'd be a top 10 guy. They've got Miles Turner they signed for. He's got, I think, three years left on his deal. Sabonis tonight, could he could be the sixth man of the year. Like, you've already got two good centers. I know you don't want need to get too much in the way, but there there's still plenty of talent out there that, and the Pacers aren't that good where they, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't quite get it. I don't think it's a terrible pick. I just, I feel like they could have done a lot better with, with what was available. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And the other big loser that they're talking about really is the Suns, who they, they actually shipped TJ Warren to the Pacers along with uh, a, the 32nd pick to get off from under his contract. But then they, they kind of went and drafted nobody that they needed. They took a couple of fringe players and Cameron Johnson, and they picked up a uh, Ty Jerome, a point guard later. But nothing, they didn't really do anything to help themselves. A team that, you know, was what dead last two years ago and towards the bottom again. And they're really not doing anything to start helping themselves win. No, I I definitely agree with that. I like to see these trades go back and forth, but you'd like to think they've got a a serious plan in in place. And I'm not, I'm not really sure that the sun's plan is obvious right now. We may look back in two or three years and say, Hey, they really knew what they were doing. Who knows? I will say another loser, though, is the fans that have to try to figure out what team the people are actually <laughs> drafted to. Yeah. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous that they've already made the trade. They've, they've, the Sixers have traded their pick to the Celtics. That's already happened. And now they're going to come up and say that the Sixers made this pick and the guy's going to come up with the Philadelphia 76ers hat on, but he's actually going to the Celtics. Like, that, that makes no sense at all. That needs to be bagged and actually make the pick to where they're going to go. You feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for people like us here on the Sports Report trying to explain this to you guys. I, we don't know where the <laughs> hell people got drafted. And then by the end of the draft, they're trading picks that were traded to them, that were yeah, traded to them, exactly. and it's got to go through four hands before it actually gets to their destination. Hell, the, the players may not even know exactly where they're going. Yeah, we'll just wait till the season starts, and then we'll let you know who's playing where. Yes. All right, last one, the winner, uh, a lot of people are saying Boston is winning. And, you know, Al Horford bailed on the team. Kyrie ghosts the team, won't even talk to him. But hometown coach, this might be good for hometown coach uh, Brad Stevens. And interestingly enough, they picked, quote unquote, the best player from Indiana, Romeo Langford, and the best player from Purdue, Carson Edwards, and we're going to play a little game here on the Sports Report called One Word. And Joe, I want to get your one word here. Having to watch Indiana and Purdue's biggest stars play together will be blank. Interesting. (laughs) It will be. How do you think that dynamic will shape up? Well, I actually, I thought it would be odd because, now granted, Romeo was only there for one year. Now granted, he grew up in the area and 
Carson Edwards is actually from Texas, so I think the rivalry could be thicker between two individuals. You don't have like the one that comes to mind is like uh, Jordy Holes from IU a couple years ago, who grew up in Bloomington, was a four-year player there, or you get like the the Robbie Hummel or Etwan Moore or something who it, just kind of a local guy. So that, I don't think the rivalry is as thick for them, but it's still you get it through osmosis and and just being in the environment there. You get it. It'll be interesting to see that. But I did see they played on a Team USA team together um, when Edwards was a sophomore, I think, and. Romeo was in high school. They played on like a U19 team or something. So it's not like they haven't played before. I think they're both very, very talented players. So, yeah, I, I could see the Celtics being a uh, being a big winner of this draft. If anybody can handle those two, it's going to be Brad Stevens. Yes, I, I, I agree 100%. So what's your one word for watching uh, Romeo and Carson play together? My one word for this is, as we just talked about, it's going to be Indiana-esque. And I say that because you have Brad Stevens from Butler, you have Romeo, and you have Carson. Uh, obviously not all from the area, but all played a huge part in the area for at least a short amount of time, some longer than others. So I think it's going to have a lot of, you know, when Brad Stevens first went to Boston, there was a lot of hype around the area, especially around the Butler area of following the Celtics. And I think you're going to get a lot more of the Indiana crowd just paying a little bit more attention to the Celtics again this year. Yeah, count me in that group. <laughs> All right. The Pelicans, of course, took Zion number one. But before that, they traded Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Should LeBron and AD on the Lakers make them the front runners? And do you have thoughts just on the NBA in general right now? The Raptors went all in uh, for one year with Kawhi Leonard and they won the NBA championship. Should more teams do that? Well, I, I think there are two viable strategies here. I think they both they both work. It seems very popular now. Well, it was a um, a big three, like when Boston um, and Miami they tried to get three together. Now, like teams are at least trying to get two absolute superstars or super max contract kind of players, and then fill in with the rest, kind of the the stars and scrubs mentality, which is somewhat what the Raptors did. Although they kind of just had one star and then filled it in the rest with a little bit more above average players. I think the Lakers had to do this because the Lakers were sitting in some sort of purgatory there where they kept moving players around, but never ending up with what the LA fans really wanted. I think this gives them, this gives them an opportunity to attract a third player. Now they may have the definition of league minimum scrubs with them, but I think this moves them, gives them a much better chance to win a title, which, let's be honest, that's what the Lakers are going for. Yeah, I actually loved your question or your comparison of Stars and Scrubs or six or seven solid players. So I did a little bit of a case study. Uh, I did it, you know, one year dated, so it's not the most up to date. But I took NBA 2K18 and I said, uh, I'm going to have like 15 teams draft two superstars and a bunch of scrubs, and then the other 15 teams will draft you know, five mediocre players for their starting five. And then I simulated a couple seasons and I made sure that LeBron and Anthony Davis were on the same team. And interestingly enough, the first year LeBron wins the MVP and their team wins the championship and LeBron's finals MVP. But the first year there were teams in the playoffs like 
JaVel McGee, Chris Bosch, Rudy Gay, Mark Gasol, Alonzo Ball, Seth Curry, Bogon Bogdanovich. That was one team, and that was just kind of, uh, you know, there no superstars really, no two big names, but but people you've heard of. But they were swept by the Greek freak, John Wall, and then those two superstars were joined by like J.J. Berea, uh, Harrell, Labusseri. I don't even know who that is. Just a bunch of bums, <laughs> but they swept that team. And then there was a team, you know, Andre Drummond, Otto Porter Jr., Larry Nance Jr., J.R. Smith, Al Horford, Dennis Smith Jr. So all names you've heard of, but they were swept by LeBron, Anthony Davis, T.J. McConnell, Tyler Zeller, and Ilya Sova. So you you get those two big guys, and it seemed to work. So I, I went a step further, and I went for the second year. And LeBron and AD kind of had the same team pretty much, and they were knocked out first round by Jeremy Lin, Blake Griffin, Josh Richardson, Miratek, and Magruder. So, again, no real superstars. Blake Griffin's kind of old now, so not not counted in there. But then that team was ultimately swept by a team that consisted of Murray, C.J. McCollum, Jordan Clarkson, Solomon Hill, Drew Holiday, Tyson Chandler. C.J. McCollum won the finals MVP in the second year, defeating, again, the Greek Freak and John Wall's team. And and James Harden won MVP year two, but lost to uh, the Greek Freak in the conference finals. So I think I'm going to do a better job of simulating this, and I'll get a blog out there about it. But it was just interesting. I was just trying to replicate your thought process of, do stars and scrubs really beat six or seven solid players? And right now, I don't have a definitive answer. It was one-to-one. So, uh, And about 50-50 made the playoffs each year, so it just kind of depended. But it was interesting enough to where I want to do it again in a little more detail. Yeah, and I think that's a very creative way to do that because you take all the bias out of it in that simulation because it doesn't know what you're trying to do. But I also think that... Um, the big three or the big two. So you have the Celtics when they got uh, Garnett, Pierce, and Allen together. You've got the Heat when LeBron and Bosch joined Wade. Then you've got the Raptors and the team they just put together. I feel like it, that was kind of a it was kind of a hybrid, but more of a Stars and Scrubs. But I feel like the biggest, the most recent dynasty of the or the closest thing we had to a dynasty here recently was the Warriors. That was built more on the bunch of I don't know, kind of even talented players. I mean, granted, Curry turned into a star, but they drafted him. Like, I think he was eighth in the draft or something. It's not like he was a, he was still a lottery pick, but he wasn't way up there. And he even right. caught some flack for that. Clay Thompson was never supposed to be this big star. Uh, Draymond Green, a bunch of like four year college players. Yeah. We're all kind of put together. And now some stars emerge from that. They, then they signed KD to kind of solidify that. So they eventually went to that, but it was built on, of uh, the six or seven solid players. They had Andrew Bogut in there. They, they got him back. and Iguodala. Um, Iguodala, yeah. yeah. So I, I think probably going to be competitive for a longer range of time if you go that route. But I think your chances of winning the NBA Finals is probably lower. It's probably better if you go with the, the two or three stars and then just kind of filling around them. Yeah, I was trying to relay this to other sports, too, and obviously a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. And they've kind of had that solid players for a few years, and they made the playoffs, you know, five straight seasons, but never won a playoff game. So I was thinking to myself, as a fan versus a GM, which would I like? As a fan, would I have liked to see somebody like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers out there just 
for some excitement uh, and maybe one other star? Or am I okay with a bunch of guys like Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, uh, Jeremy Hill at the time, or Joe Mixon now? So as a fan and as a GM, I might treat it two separate ways. As a GM, obviously, it's about making some money, too, and people are going to come see Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers more than they're going to come see Andy Dalton. But I don't know which one has a better chance to win ultimately. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. And I, th- I think both of them have proven successful. I think whatever you decide as a GM or as, as your front office wants to do, I think you just need to stick with it. Like, like if you want to mortgage the future and win now, do what you need to do to win now and worry about the future later. Or if you're going to sell all your assets off for future draft picks or young players, do it. Get rid of your sell your stars for while they're worth it now and get and secure your future a little bit more. But the thing is, with like the Celtics, I feel like they just keep kicking the can down the road that they've had all these picks for whatever. I think next year they still have a bunch of picks. So eventually you need to turn those into actual good players because your fan base will get frustrated that, oh, it's always next year. It's always next year. All right, last last one on the uh, NBA is one word again, Joe. Anthony Davis to the Lakers is blank. Necessary. They need if they wanted a chance to win titles, which is what the LA Lakers are wanting to do. They needed to do something, and this was that something they needed to do. What's your What's your word? I'm going with expected. I think kind of the same thing. You know, they have to do it, but. Anthony Davis won it out, and this is probably his best chance to win in the short term and possibly the long term. Couldn't agree more. Our last sports topic of the week is the U.S. women's soccer team. They're crushing opponents and performing well on the field. However, that's not what we're talking about. The women are making far less than their male counterparts, about 38% of what the men's team make. And women on average are making about $99,000 for a 20-game season, and the men would make 263000 for the same. Do you think there's an issue? I will tell you, I probably need m- more information to give a yes or no, not to give the, the Andy approach that I have to throw some sort of qualifier <laughs> in there. But uh, I think they need, okay, I, I get the, the, the equal pay for equal work kind of thing. I, I, I understand that. But I think they need to look at, and I don't know, I don't have the answer. I'm sure there's an answer out there. What the revenues actually are? Yeah. Like if they're want, if the women are wanting to get paid two hundred sixty three thousand dollars, just like the men, that's fine as long as their revenues match that. I guess I think they should get the same percentage of their like average revenue. Like they they picked one heck of a time though to do this argument because. The U.S. women's team is at the top of their sport right now. The men's team is as low as they've been since you and I can remember. So they picked a heck of a time to do this. I think it's just like anything else. Like, yeah, I I get the fair thing, but I think the the revenues that are generated need to be considered as well. Because even though the, the men aren't as good comparatively as the women, the men's soccer still gets more viewers than the women's. And so I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid the same. I think it just needs to be relative to the revenues they generate. Yeah, I think you nailed it. My thought exactly was the NBA and the WNBA, right? So the WNBA, you you could say the same thing, but the WNBA operates at a loss. This isn't a new concept either. I mean, you could go back to high school, right? When you talk about 
who's going to get new jerseys, the men's team or the women's team. And it's like, who draws more revenue for a high school? That that, that becomes important back then. So I, I think that you're exactly right. Uh, I don't know if it's distracting the team. So they barely squeaked by Spain today on two questionable penalty kicks. So they won 2-1. And it was really a pretty ugly game. And like I said, the penalties were, were questionable at best. If the U.S. women's soccer team all of a sudden faults and they're not on top and they don't win the World Cup as they're favored to do, this becomes more of an issue of were they distracted? Should they be focusing on what they're doing? And, you know, if they just start talking about, hey, we're not getting paid enough and then they start losing and slip down into where the men are today, as you mentioned, maybe this is a non-issue. Well, and part of it, too, just comes down to simple economics, let the market set the price. I'm guessing it's the same governing body that it manages the uh, the women's national team and the men's national team. But right now, what's your incentive to pay the women anymore? Right. You don't have it because they're still playing. Like it, it's, yeah. They almost need to strike or hold out or just not play. And get the, I mean, the next year will play because you always have – there's always going to be somebody that wants to represent the United States. If they go down deep enough, hell, you and I would play for the men's national team for free just because yeah. it would be pretty damn cool to do. And now your quality would go down. But then I, I guess my thing is the women are not powerless in this. Right now, it just seems to me like they just want to complain. To, to be completely honest, they have power. They cannot play. Like they can, they can band together. They're, they're. I'm not sure if they're an official union, but there's only so many women soccer players that can play at the caliber they are. If they get all of them or a good portion of them all to band together, they can make a change. But right yeah. now, if you're if you're the United States Soccer Federation or whatever the governing body is, there's not really much incentive. Because they're still playing. And of course, as as someone living in the United States, I'd love to see them win it. And I'm glad they're still playing. But I hate that this is the issue about it. And I hate, honestly, I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, but I hate that it's it's sexism all of a sudden because they're paid less. And it's not just let's use common sense. And the revenue is probably uh, way less than 38% of what the men's team makes. But uh, yeah, you know... There was a bar, actually, who was offering up a free shot for every goal that the team scored. It just happened to be in their 13-0 to victory over <laughs> Thailand, and I'd rather be talking about that. Yeah, maybe we'll say this. Uh, one word, Joe. Uh, if you had to take 13 shots of something, it would be blank. Fireball. That's <laughs> It's bull, How about you? But, 13, 13 shots. What do you want? Yeah. Thir- if I'm taking 13 shots, it better be water or I'm going to be struggling. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but. I'm not saying I'm going to take uh, 13 shots flawlessly. I'm going to say uh, one word hyphenated, buttery nipple. Okay. All right. Sounds like we should do at least one of those uh, Wednesday to celebrate the first week. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> no, to your point, I I'm rooting for the women. I hope I hope they win this World Cup. I actually um, timed my lunch break today so I could watch at least half of the game. So I'm, yeah, I I want them to win. I I agree with you. I don't like that. Every analysis it all comes back. There's always somebody throws in something about the equal pay thing. Yeah, let's get on to the soccer now. Do all the politicking later. Like let's just let's just play soccer now. 
Yeah, agreed. Do that behind closed doors where it belongs. Yes. All right. That's it for this week's version of the Sports Report brought to you by Opinions Anonymous. Tune in next week as we cover more sports and all the exciting news coming out of the sporting world. For this week, I've been with Joe. I am Luke, and thank you for listening.